0: Podcaster? I hardly know her. <laughs> uh, hey guys, my name is Megan Bryant, and this is the I Hardly Know Her podcast. I'm an entrepreneur, a single mom of four young kids. I'm a comedian, an improv trainer, and an award winning author. As I've been going through life, I've learned how much I love to share my stories, listen to others share their stories, and find connections of cool people doing cool things all around me every day. This is a podcast where I'm going to be all over the board. Personal growth, professional strategies, and my perspective and experiences on a lot of different topics. So, join me, Megan Bryant, and let's keep in mind that we don't have to be a big deal to do big things. What happens when you have two podcasters in the same office and you both hit record at the same time? that's what this episode is. Uh, My friend Matt Dietz and I were talking about interviewing each other on our podcast, and then we thought, well, why not just do it at the same time? So that's what we did. Sat in an office, put our microphones out, and interviewed each other to go through a couple of different topics, because what's interesting is he owns his own uh, insurance agency, and I, uh, as you are learning, uh, am in the realm of comedy and improv, and yet as small business owners, there are a lot of parallels, and I've admired him for a really long time and listened to his podcast, None of My Business, where this episode content will also be airing, uh, because he really dives in in a connected way in the community, and I love that. Uh, really, what we what we share is a common interest in finding out more about people around us, looking for ways that we can serve and utilize each other's businesses so that together everyone can be successful. Uh, A lot of like-mindedness. So I hope that you enjoy this episode uh, of a little bit of back and forth of why these types of relationships can be really valuable in the business space and in kind of helping with cross-promoting and getting introductions into other audience by co-podcasting.
1: We can just introduce each other. Yeah. We'll do like a co-intro. This
0: sounds awesome. Do okay. I just get to introduce however I want to introduce you? Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here with Matt Dietz, golf pro, insurance wizard. Right. Um, one of the most supportive entrepreneurial human beings from the local community and beyond that I've ever come in contact with. Well, thanks, Megan. Yeah.
1: And I am here today <laughs> with Megan Bryant. This is the none of my business show. We are doing something different today. We're gonna record, we're gonna record two shows at once. Yeah. You know, in the interest of uh co-branding, mm-hmm. in the interest of multitasking, yeah. I think it would make sense for us to just put two microphones down in front of us and ask each other questions. Yeah,
0: I totally love it. And my podcast is called The I Hardly Know Her podcast. Right. So today it's I hardly know him. Right. But hopefully we're going to find some little nuggets to uh, spur some interest from our listeners. Yeah,
1: let's, let's see what we can find out about each other. I we? love it. Okay. So I've had you on my show before. Mm-hmm. It's been a while. Yeah. It's probably been over three years. At least. And you've been doing some different things. So let's get some people up to speed. Okay. I think when I had you on the show, you were just finishing... I think you had just completed the second year of the Idaho Laugh Fest. Mm-hmm. Right. So... To give you a moment in time, what have you been doing since? Oh, and you just were about to publish your book. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it was you adjusting. had just kind of shared that with us. Yep. So that's, that went wonderful, by the way. Yeah. Oh, thanks.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, so fast forwarding. So that would have been about three years ago exactly. Um, so fast forwarding to present day, really I do a lot of the same stuff. I've just learned how to funnel my own kind of busy life into what's priority, what's gonna help me pay the bills in the long run, where are my best strengths at, because I do a lot of things. I've done yes. improv, I've performed stand up. I have written my own book, but also freelance written for lots of different things.
1: Right, you write for a magazine.
0: I do. Well, I actually f- recently snipped that out of my um, my like you no it, longer write. Yeah, for in the magazine. process of streamlining because then sometimes I'm also just an actor or like a model on an ad campaign. So like I've shown up on the front of a magazine where people are like, "Oh, an article about Megan," but really I was just the model of someone that looks like a mom right. for another company. <laughs> right. Um, so it does get really confusing for people to go, huh, you're kind of everywhere.
1: You were on the movie screen. Yeah. yeah. I have
0: TV commercials that have been playing for years. Different hairstyles, different levels of pregnancy. I know,
1: you're <laughs> omnipresent.
0: Uh, yeah, for Which is or worse. good.
1: <laughs> and I'm going to ask you another question okay. on that a little bit later. So So you've been really busy. How has the um... not my plan part of your life been for you I know that was a that was a big event for you it was emotional you wrote a wonderful book and you got really involved with that community yeah so what has that been like for you
0: It's actually kind of shifted some of the trajectory for a lot of things I've been working on for many years kind of coming to a culmination because that book was about a hidden pregnancy that later uh, resulted in me placing a child for adoption. I wrote it before I reunited with her. I have since reunited with that baby I placed for adoption. She's almost 20 now. She's getting married in a month. She is. Um, Congratulations. yeah, Yeah. And and then having navigated those relationships with and now having kind of a wide open scenario with her family and um, her meeting my family and it's been a wonderful thing stepping more into that uh, space of adoption advocacy and sort of marrying that with my public presence because right. I wanted to bring adoption as a poss- as a, a possibility for people to consider when they have an unplanned pregnancy. So I've sort of brought a lot of my platform together of just like being willing to talk about hard things. Yeah. And still finding humor in all of that and and so yeah, that's been a really amazing few years of bringing the pains and the hard trials from many years ago and seeing how much they really can become a positive impact if we let them in the future.
1: Have those lives the you know your advocacy for adoption and your coaching and community life have those married up well or has it been kind of confusing at times where you're like what am am I today
0: yeah it's a little confusing sometimes because it's such an emotional space sure but sometimes that's where the best well usually that's where the best comedy can come from are those really raw trying experiences um but I don't really joke a lot about adoption yet because it it is still too I'm still too close to it in certain ways yeah 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 um so yeah Good. um well putting it back on you as far as um since we last spoke because we touch bases i've known you for quite a while mm-hmm. i met you initially i think because your wife and i met at a networking group right and that was even longer ago than i don't know it was five or six years ago easily Yeah, you were. A i was bank. a banker still you were a so banker. it was even longer ago yeah T- almost eight or nine years though then because yeah. i've been out of banking a long time and watching the way your businesses, both you and your wife, um, but especially with your podcast, the way like what has anything evolved as you've spent so much of your time, you know, you're a real or an or a insurance agent that covers many, many things, mm-hmm. and also a huge advocate for local businesses. And where, how do you use that as a crossover to make so everyone can win? So you can close more deals and help those businesses you're meeting with.
1: And yeah, it's funny; those two things have have co-aligned really nicely. Probably better than I thought they would. Um, yeah, I'm a I'm an insurance I'm an insurance agency owner first, mm-hmm. and I was in a B and I group, and my B and I group folded, and uh, I all of a sudden had two hours a day took or a week that was open, mm-hmm. that I needed something to do it. And so I had a kind of a creative itch that needed to be scratched. Yeah, okay. And so this was about 10 years into my career, and I just felt like I'd become, I, it took me about that long to really feel like I was an expert in my field. Mm-hmm. Insurance is tough. Mm-hmm. You know, we I sell 8, nine, ten different types of products, and each product is... There's a lot to know about, sure. even in auto policy, but then you start getting into commercial insurance and worker's comp policies and homeowner's policies. They're, they're complicated products. Anyway, I finally got to a point in my career where I felt, I felt like an expert. I know more about insurance than any of you know at this point, mm-hmm. and that's what you want from an insurance agent, right? Yeah. So I decided to kind of go t- through the Gary Vee School and start putting out content (laughs) Mm. for free Mm -hmm. um, about what people need to know on a street level about insurance. So how do you insure your engagement ring properly and do I need to buy the rental car insurance when that person at the counter asks me, do I need it? And so I started blogging at first. I just Mm -hmm. started writing quick articles about the most common questions that I get asked. And then I also decided to start podcasting because it was a medium that I was enjoying getting information from myself. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the podcast hosts said said you know anybody can do this. And that's where the bell went off in my head and I was like, oh, "I'm anybody. Really? I am anybody." <laughs> so I I went to, you know, the Googles and yeah. I typed up, you know, how do you podcast uh-huh. and um found a five-part tutorial. They walked me through everything from software to just how to do it and I yeah. watched it, you know, a half a dozen times and bought the microphone. I already had the computer. I already had the blog, which was part of the infrastructure, and I started podcasting. Mm-hmm. And I said, Well, I don't just want to do one. Well,
0: yeah. I want to do two, podcasts, why not?
1: you know. I want to do one about insurance because that will help me brand myself as the expert in insurance. Yeah. And I didn't think anybody would care to listen. Mm-hmm. So that's what made it easy for me to start. I was like no one's (laughs) one's gonna listen to this so I can just kind of be myself and do whatever I need to do and so I've done 93 of those Mm. so far they're all like five to seven minutes long
0: and the name of that is simply
1: explaining insurance Nice. yes and so that's really um, that's super fun because that that content I thought I'd run out of content after like 20 or 30 shows
0: Mm. but the content
1: just shows up in my business that's what happens with comedy right it's yeah.
0: everywhere. Yeah. And even when you think you know everything about insurance, you still don't know what no. kind of dunderhead is going to have some weirdo experience. I still I mean, get yeah. questions.
1: I, I just, before you came here today, <laughs> I called one of my insurance uh, adjusters and because I had a question yesterday I didn't have an answer to. Mm. You know, I have a family that owns a couple of horses and I say, hey, if we take our horses out on a trail ride and we take a guest and the guest gets tossed from the horse and they get hurt, am I covered on my homeowner's policy? Oh. Never been asked that question in fifteen years, and right. I still get amazed. I still get questions asked, you know, that I don't, that I've never heard before. Right, because I've been asked of thousands of them. Sure. Um, so I found out, and the answer is yes. So I'll probably do an episode on that.
0: Oh yeah, totally.
1: Right, we're in Idaho. So
0: bizarre. Some people probably wouldn't even think about covering their butt ahead of time, though. Right. Too, which is also possibly shocking in your yeah. yeah. line of work.
1: I know. So that's the kind of stuff that I that I enjoy, and people listen. Like I. it The show gets quite a bit of traction. I think it's attracted people from my industry as well. I've had had younger agents reach out to me and say, oh, my God, thank you so much. I'm learning so much about this stuff that it's helping accelerate them in their learning process, which makes me feel good, too. No doubt. And then um, my real passion is working with a small business owner Mm -hmm. because that's what I am. Yeah. That's what you are. Sure. Um, And this whole valley is built on... You know, hundreds and hundreds of just really good, hardworking people. Mm-hmm. And we ensure uh, a handful of them. And so in an effort to do something different, um, I know how hard it is to build a business because mm-hmm. nobody's given, you know, a, a manual on how to do it when they start. Right. And And everybody does it differently. Yeah. And I want to know why does this person, why did you open, you know, a gutter company like it mm-hmm. fascinates me like <laughs> yeah. like i was driving through chin this this company sells and installs gutters yeah how did that start you know, this guy didn't grow up wanting to install gutters right so that fascinates me and then and then how did he make it successful so so i started interviewing small business owners i started interviewing the people that i insure as a thank you we started creating mm-hmm. content and giving it back to them yeah they could share it on their channels it ends up being like an hour-long commercial for their business so good and business owners talk about their business like they talk about their children yeah it's really easy for mm-hmm. them and so the process is easy I'm interested so I'll ask the questions and they are just proud and they puff up and they talk all about their business and so it's it's really great and so I've interviewed 95 people at this point yeah. point. and so it's just a lot of fun and I decided last year that I'm just going to keep doing it. Because it's been good for me too. Mm-hmm. It really helps me build relationships with the local business people in town. Yeah. Which is what I should be doing. Yeah. Period. And no one else in my industry is meeting people the way I am. And that's one of the hardest parts of my job as an insurance agent is is meeting people. There are gatekeepers to get by. Yeah. If I want to quote somebody's insurance, i got to get through the person at the desk.
0: Mm-hmm. Well,
1: if I'm offering them something like this, mm-hmm. I get right through. Yeah. And then the relationship starts, and then it goes wherever it goes from there. Right. So for sure. Yeah. So. So
0: good. It's a slow burn, it a is. diligent business, and and really a, with a reciprocal mindset. That word's been on my mind a lot the last few days. Of like, really, we're putting the good things out there and supporting other people, in hopes that it somehow all comes back in ways that we can all kind of win together. Yeah.
1: Well, the philosophy's simple It's what I learned in b and I it changed the way that I do my business. you know the givers' gain right oh, You've yeah. heard it mm-hmm. we've heard it again and again and again but but it's it is a it's a human quality mm-hmm. that everybody has, and if you give somebody something of value, their natural response is to reciprocate mm-hmm. If I gave you something just out of the kindness of my heart or for whatever your immediate thought is oh." Well, I need to do something for you, yeah, in some cases, they want to buy insurance for me mm-hmm. and that's great in some cases, they want to help me connect with another guest, yeah, for the show,, right. and that's another connection that's good for me mm-hmm. It's all good, yeah, you know, as yeah, long as for your sure. heart is in the right place and you want to give something and you throw it out there in the universe it'll it'll come back, yeah, so, agreed, yeah, yeah, so I wanted to talk to you about branding, mm-hmm. branding is something that's fascinating to me, yeah. And it's important. I think it's becoming more important in this day and age. Um, You know, branding for me is interesting because I have the Farmer's brand behind me, Mm -hmm. which is good. Like, Mm -hmm. Farmer's is a good, solid brand. Sure. Um, But there are a lot of uh, Farmer's agents in town. Mm hmm you know, so why would someone pick me over the other two farmers agents that are literally a half a mile from my office? Right. There are three farmers agents on my block.
0: And you are all technically your own business owner, right? So you have the support of the umbrella mm-hmm. with all those maybe the marketing things that are sort of already in place. Yeah. However generic they may be. Right. But to me, Joe Public, unless I know, it is all about relationship. Like I might if I just go to a website, I don't know how much it would just funnel me right to Right.
1: It's yeah, a crap sure shoot. If you to, system but... if you went to farmers.com and you wanted to get a quote which you can mm-hmm. you know you're going to get that quote's going to go to an agency but it might be based on it's probably based on geographic Yeah, location. okay, yeah, I would guess. So, okay. work the the people getting quotes here in Eagle it's going to pop between the 3. Yeah. So, but branding myself as as um as a good business person and yep. an expert in my field has been really important for me mm-hmm. and it's been good for me, mm-hmm. um because people will start looking for me instead of farmers. Yes. So for you and branding, you do a great job because you are pretty aggressive with your marketing. Mm-hmm. You're out there on the LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram, and people know Megan Bryan. Mm-hmm. But you do so many different things. Yes. Right? You're an author and you're a speaker and you're a comedian and. You're a coach, you do a lot of your improv trainer. You right. do all these different things. Yeah. So what is your plan right now with, with with branding so that people see you pop up and they go, Megan does this? Or yeah. I need to hire Megan for this? Because you want to be top of mind when somebody says, Oh, I really need I really want to get into improv. Who should I go to? Yes. You wanna be the first person Absolutely. to show up. Or who's who's advocating for You know, adoption room. Megan does that. Right. So what's your play right now? Or what's, what are you doing in the branding space? Uh, Yeah.
0: First of all, I really have accepted and embraced calling it Megan Bryant. Like my website is meetmeganbryant.com. Right. My logo is Megan Bryant. Now, anything that I do from the last 18 months or so to present and forevermore, somehow everything is with Megan Bryant. Improv classes with Megan Bryant. Um blah, blah 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 I'm really careful to call them very specific things and I've started to like like I said a little earlier letting go of things that I can do really well and just do the things I love the most because I have spent a lot of time in this community I was born and raised in Boise mm-hmm. and when I started to recognize that people were understanding that I was doing a lot of things and not quite knowing what it was um, or no, not knowing how to get involved, then I st- just had to really have a heart-to-heart with myself and start trimming all the fat. So uh, anything on my desk right now, I have three note cards that are bright orange that are right by my computer that say improv, award-winning author, and um, comedian. Okay. So if, it is not, if I'm not offered a gig that somehow ties directly with those, then I, I decline or I refer them somewhere else Um, because it's been a long time coming trying to figure out how to even um, like stay consistent with gigs and stuff because people don't know exactly. And I've had a lot of different logos. So I've had Idaho Laugh Fest. I used to have a thing called Hilarity for Charity which still kind of floats out there. Um, I've tried just offshoots like I used to have an improv troupe called Chicks and Giggles and then I've been tied to a lot of different things. So now I funnel everything to like the most basic terms. And I have said no to things a lot more than Good. I ever have before, which is really scary. Yes. Um. But I want people to understand where that value is. Because when they have the Megan Bryant in my... When I'm in my like genius mode of especially in improv, mm-hmm. there's nothing like it. There's a lot of people that teach improv, but there's no one that I've ever met yet that teaches it as a positive mindset and a lifestyle mm-hmm. that I do.
1: Good. So when people see... You know, Megan Bryant, Mm -hmm. what do you want them to think?
0: I want them to think this woman wants to make humanity happier.
1: Good. Write that down.
0: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, so the one, the thing that I use a lot lately, and I, you know, I almost did a non-profit arm. I was like, there's things that people tell me, you should do this, you should do that, you should do this. And then I'm like, ah, oh, I have this strong sense of responsibility because I know I can deliver pretty much anything someone asks. Yeah. I can make it happen. Okay. And, um, and so I was on this path to have an umbrella of a nonprofit because I thought, oh, maybe that'll make it more successful for um, these other avenues that I'm doing, because getting sponsorships for a comedy festival, for example, is really hard. But yes. my initiative with Idaho Laugh Fest was that I wasn't able to be on stages performing a ton here in town just because there wasn't a lot of opportunity. So I made my own opportunity. I built the stages. Right. I put a lot of other people on the stages as well, of course, and took actually probably less time than I should have. I probably should have performed more than I did. And then took it as an opportunity to, to inform the community of how important comedy is. I had workshops where people could come and do improv or storytelling or podcasting or whatever, um, to utilize cool venues in town and just try to bring the community together. And then I realized that in some ways I actually, I still, I did all that work and I used it to a disadvantage for myself because I still put so much into everyone else.
1: Yeah. I was going to ask you what caused that to pause.
0: Well, it paused because I, I was going through a divorce. Okay. And literally, the volume of tasks to accomplish a festival. Um, and just, and um, at the time, my youngest of four was um, eight months old while we were going through the divorce. And so I, I, I was just so swamped with life.
1: So you had a different orange card on your desk mm-hmm. that probably did. said divorce. It did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was an incredible event that you brought to Thanks. town. And I was, yeah. And so I was kind of. We we're always wondering, well, you know, what happened with that? And we know you're busy and you've yeah. got a lot going on and stuff like I that. And on the flip it. side of that, from a business standpoint, I was curious on, you know, if it was worth it. You know, did you make any money off of it? And, like, yeah. if it doesn't, like, at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself, well, look, after five years of right. putting your heart and soul into this and you don't mm-hmm. have any, you know, you you, you got to make some money. You do. You know, it. In fact,
0: it. yeah. I like that you actually asked that because people, I think, assume that I'm just, like, rolling in it. Right. I am, I'm really good at showing the positive parts of life. And I feel like I talk about what's hard, too. Um, there were some people <clears throat> in my life who really made me feel like it was a failure. By year four, it was sustaining itself. There was enough ticket sales and sponsors that I wasn't having to put my own money into it. I didn't ever take a paycheck, personally, wow. still. By fifth, the fifth year, it probably would have finally mm-hmm. turned the corner. There was, um, for me though, the success came in massive amounts of connections that I made. I actually was honored with the Idaho Business Review's Accomplished Under Forty. Yes, and that was the one of the top reasons why. Um, I learned more, more. You learn way more by doing and quote unquote failing than any other way. And so I learned the parts of things I love and the things I don't. I don't actually really love event planning, right. even though I'm good
1: at you it. Can do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you also recently won Best Comedian. In yeah, Boise, Boise Lake Best Local Comedian. That's Thanks. Outstanding.
0: Not funniest. I like to point out, they just said Best Local Comedian. It's like, I'm the most persistent in chasing right. my dreams.
1: Well, <laughs> that festival had to play a role in it because for years, mm-hmm. you, you had to be aligned. When people thought Megan Bryant, mm-hmm. you know, those two, the events and you were synonymous. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, and it'll always be like that. For sure. Yeah. yeah. So, awesome. Yeah. All right.
0: So um, before we switch away from branding, though, because we, we kind of started with you and then we came on to my, my side of things. What sets you apart in the way you brand yourself so people do look for Matt instead of the brand of farmers? Like what, what special steps can you take? Or is that like where we go back to you doing your podcasting and you're doing things that are way outside of the box of the norm
1: yeah it's interesting if you put me in my space and you compare me to the other people that own insurance agencies and I can speak to the folks that I know are with farmers I don't know what all state or state farm do uh, the population of my colleagues I don't I I think they're pretty old school in the way that they do marketing. And I'm in groups and I I see what other people are trying to do. I know what people are trying to do when they enter the space to try and earn business and and it's we're not the most creative bunch of people, you know. People are still cold calling. You know, uh-huh. people are people are afraid to go door to door. Um I think the mindset for a lot of insurance agents are I'm going to sit in my office and I hope someone comes in, or I hope the phone rings, or I'm going to work lists. I'm going to try and cross sell my current clients, and right. I'm going to work my natural market, which is all the people that I know. And but that well runs dry really quickly, sure. And you've got to get out there. And so, as, from a marketing standpoint, I have built my business on the ground, um, drinking a lot of coffee, mm. meeting a lot of people, shaking a lot of hands. Um, the networking groups and the things that I've done have been really good. That just somehow, I, don't, I guess it's a it's a strength of mine. I enjoy doing it. I enjoy getting to know people. Yeah. Um, and I can make a pretty quick connection with people, mm-hmm. and I can earn their trust pretty quickly. I I've found that you can earn trust with people in like five minutes. Like mm-hmm. it's pretty quick as long as you show interest and you make the con the first part of the conversation about them and what their needs are. Yeah. And you are responsive to that. The chances of you earning business go up exponentially, yeah yeah, what i've also found is the harder part of that is keeping their trust yeah. you 've got to be there for them after the sale is made, so you for have sure. to have a responsive team behind you, you have to have a good business plan in place for when the phone rings you 've got to get their questions answered right away, and so it's not just earning the sale that's that's not even necessarily the hard part it's the it's the retention and mm. the keeping them on your books that I tell my team, I'm like, your job here is is one of two things. One, to get business, and two, to keep it. Yeah. And so everything we do in here has to fall, those are my orange cards. Yeah. Get the business, keep the business. And so I'm always thinking about ways to try and... And do one of those two things. Yeah. So, and as far as branding goes, the podcast has been good. I wanted to be known as an insurance expert, so the podcast helps with that. And where the podcast really helps is, is I make sure that I put out content that I know is right. Mm. I'm not guessing. Yeah. So I told you before that I'm calling the people that know the answers to get the answers. Right. And then I put the information out there. So that's information that I've learned. Mm-hmm. Like I have to know the information. If I'm going to put it out there, like it has to be right. Yeah. So I've done 90 plus episodes of information that I have vetted yeah. and that I know is correct. Right. Which makes me even a smarter insurance agent than if I didn't do any totally. of it. Totally. You know. Yeah.
0: It just ups your own game yeah well as you were talking I jotted down a note to bring it back to like you you are diligent in building a solid reputation people know what they're gonna expect from you which obviously shows what they're gonna expect with working with you and being creative with other things with podcasting and um, when I was doing the festival the very first year out of the gate you and your wife sponsored the festival and and for me to see two different businesses understand the importance of that human connection being creative with marketing with supporting each other and cross promotion you guys even let us have a little bit of fun with saying both of your business names with uh farm or Idaho Laugh Fest presented by Farmers Insurance and Foothill Psychiatry because sometimes life's sense of humor sucks Sucks. and so like really looking for (laughs) I love it it's um it's cool to see that like there's so many different layers, and it is sort of a slow burn of building that, like, the consistency, the awareness of, where, like, just being out in the community, being fun mm-hmm. and engaging and supporting other things that are going on. And yeah. um, there's just a, a lot of things that uh, kind of help make an a ongoing, consistent, solid reputation.
1: Yeah, we, Heather and I are both really really in tune with with supporting local and heather kind of gives me crap for it because i go above and beyond what what normal people do with trying to (laughs) trying to support local um and i continue to try even though it's getting harder and harder in a day and age where it's so easy to buy stuff online yeah and so i will go through and i'm like well we need you know we need it whatever uh, there's this one i have this pen that i really like and mm. i and it ran out of ink oh, no. and i couldn't find the reef i couldn't I, so i went to staples and they didn't have a refill so i was like well i need i need a refill so i was like where can i where can i buy this i didn't go right to google and search the pen model and buy it up on amazon mm. i went to this pen store that was in the village that's not there anymore
0: oh no which, Dang
1: it! But I went there and I, and I said, "Hey, I need a refill for this." And you know, the kid behind the desk just pointed, and he's like, "I don't know, go look over there." And I was like, "Wrong answer," you know. <laughs> and so he did. They didn't have it, and uh-uh. so I did. I had to I had to buy it online. I went to um, I was buying a gift for a client of mine. I wanted to get him a golf club, and I knew exactly what he wanted. And um, so I went to I went to Dixon, and I went there, and and they said, "No, we don't have it." You can go to the website and buy it yourself. Oh. And I was like, "Wrong answer, you know right? The, local businesses have to evolve to the point because these people are losing, they're losing business by mm-hmm. doing that. Mm-hmm. You know the right answer would be, you know what? let's go to the webs- let me take you to the website right now. Yeah, let me order it for you and let me have it sent right to your house Would that work for you. Like mm-hmm. that is the right answer. That person's going to get the business. I'm going to go back the next time I need something or they have taught me how to use their business in a different way. Mm-hmm. You know, and so so supporting local is something that we're wildly passionate about. Yeah. You know, all the p- businesses that we insure here, we we use. Yeah. So uh, we insure a lawn care company mm-hmm. and they fertilize my lawn. Right. You know, we insure a home cleaning company. They clean my house. Mm-hmm. You know, we eat out at the restaurants, we insure. And we make sure that the business owners know that. Yeah. And that helps foster the relationship. You know, if you're going to support me, I'm going to support you. Mm-hmm. That's the way that, that I've built my business. I love know? that. And so it's been really good. and And it helps with retention. That other orange card where it's keep the business, you know, they want to stay insured with me because they know I'm a client of theirs. Mm-hmm. So it just, it just makes sense and it feels natural and it feels like it's the way it should be. Totally. You know? Well, I'm
0: taking the time to let them know that. like A lot of times people are quick to jump on the negative stuff and I hate when people attack small businesses that are local, especially if it's like, maybe you had the one bad day or whatever. Right. And so like, especially if I'm ever in a grumpy mood, I actually will seek, who is someone local that I had a good experience with? And then I'll go do a positive review on their Facebook page or on Google or whatever and just be like you know what and it makes me feel better to just change my own attitude to just put something nice out there that I know is helping because it's usually if I've had my feelings hurt on like someone tells me they don't like my style of comedy right. because it, my style of comedy is my life right. it is actually me right. and so when someone's like oh those jokes don't resonate I'm like well maybe it's because you're a guy and you can't relate to having five human babies come out of your body parts. I can't. And, but that's the what I have to joke about because that's me. And so you have to be true to yourself. So especially when I've been hurt on my own, because my own brand is really like me. Yep. And it hurts my feelings if totally. people are mean. Um, and so then I just am like, okay, oh, who can I go and give some love to so that I don't, <laughs> I don't sit here crying in my rocking chair for the rest of the night. But... I like that you said that. The, like, I think there's good, a good thing. I would love for my name to be associated with like people going. Megan Bryant left this positive review. Megan Bryant. Did that. Like, I want, and it's because I really feel that it's not like a tooting my own horn type of a thing. Mm-hmm. Although I feel like people like you and I, maybe don't toot our horns enough. Because we want so much good for the world, but also, like, we just do it because that's the right thing to do, and it feels good to do those good things.
1: There's a fine line to tooting your horn. Right. Right? I think the way we toot our horn is we do good work.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And we let let our work speak for ourselves. We let it show our character. We let it show that we are hard workers and that we're willing to do the right thing. Right. That's the kind of, you know, horn tooting that, like, (laughs) that we do. And then the... you know good stuff will, will come from that absolutely so.
0: and oftentimes in a way different roundabout
1: yes way and it takes a lot longer <laughs> yeah it takes a lot longer and that's the other thing patience is something that is a common theme in my shows like people think that a lot of this stuff is instant and, and I think that's a facade even the way that we can do things so much faster with social and technology has yeah. done so that doesn't necessarily make business go faster for right. certain types of businesses Sure. I'm not an online business and neither are you, mm-hmm. you know, so we can put all this stuff out, but, uh, it takes a long time to kind of get embedded, you know, into the consciousness of, of a community. Yeah. Right? So I wanted to ask you about worth because it's kind of something mm-hmm. that you talked mm-hmm. about earlier. You're saying no to things yeah. more, which is awesome. Uh-huh. It's something that you actually referenced in your last show. You kind of started doing that and saying no to things. Cause I think you read a book, didn't you read... Minimalism at that time, what did I
0: do? there was a, a several thing, suddenly several things in, involving worth were all hitting me at once. Yeah, there was a myriad of so I think wake that up
1: calls. It's important saying no is important, but in the beginning of our careers, mm-hmm. like you can't really say no, no because you need to get out there yeah. and you need to take whatever you can get. Mm-hmm. Um, and in your industry, um, you were probably doing a lot of pro bono work, mm-hmm. you were coming in and coaching. Uh, teams or businesses for a free lunch, you know, or whatever, something like that. Um, But at a certain point in time, I think once you do that enough, you've earned the right to charge, right? Yeah. You know, or I'm not going to do this for less than a certain amount because you know I can do a good job and I've been Mm -hmm. doing it long enough. I've built this resume. So, you know, how have you decided what to say no to and what kind of things are you still willing to do? You know, for free. Yeah. You know, because I'm sure there's a back end to that, though. Where you're like, look, oh yeah, I'm gonna do this mm-hmm. because I I feel like it's I'm gonna get paid for it at some point. Yeah. I mean, there is, you know, volunteer work and activism and all that stuff is important. But at the end of the day, for we sure. all have bills to pay, and you've got four young kids and yeah, um, you got a lot going on. So how have you managed to decide what to say no to and and decide? You know where your worth is, because that that has changed mm-hmm. a lot for, for all of us. It has, you know, as as our businesses become more successful. Yeah,
0: and a lot of it is sort of a moving target still, because like a comedy show is different than a corporate team building improv event. Yes, and different than a keynote speaking event. So there's still, um, I look at what the event is. I look at what the uh, how many people are going to be there, what is the demographic, is it someone that I feel like is a good fit for my deliverable, which most of the time that's an easy because I can cater to pretty much any type of person. Um, a lot of times I listen to how I was asked because if people present it as like, hey, we know your services are amazing and you've had these awards and you've you are very well known in the community, we only unfortunately for this event have this budget like or whatever if they front load it with like something respectful yeah um that makes me know that they they do see the worth already and they're almost like oh we can we make this work out what would you be willing to do type of a thing um, then there's some room for negotiation. Okay. Sometimes people, if they just come right out of the gate, most people will donate their time to us because we're a nonprofit. Right. A lot, I get that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm going and having to feel like I'm proving my worth to someone who already sh- doesn't think I have any value. And they don't really care what values are. A lot of those things, if you go to, I've been to so many different charity events because I MC a lot of them, mm-hmm. and I donate my stuff. So I'll donate sometimes a corporate training event and and you see these like hundreds of of bid sheets out, and it's a blur of numbers. What everything to me loses value and significance, um, all in the name of raising money and whatever. So there's some places to bend and um, and just accept that for what it is. But I have learned to be pretty intuitive for myself of what I think, like how many hours am I going to have to commit to this gig? Is there a lot of prep work? Is there a lot of kind of hand-holding that I'm going to have to do for the client? Um, like I still use, had had been helping people put on comedy show fundraisers, for example, but I do a lot of the here's how you do it, and mm-hmm. I still put tasks on them, but I'm having to monitor the whole process. Yeah. So the number of hours for, for versus the paycheck is like peanuts. Yeah. Um, so yeah, some of them, it's like, Oh, that sounds like a good paycheck. But when it's a nine month commitment and X amount of hours per month that I'm having to work with a client, then it's becoming easier and easier for me to go, no, that's not my sweet spot. I, I want them, people to get the best Megan deliverable possible. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then I do, I volunteer and donate and serve people with my, especially with improv because I know it changes people for the better so much that I'm like I know I already know myself well enough that I am always coming
1: from a place of giving to begin with. So let me let me ask you a question about pricing. Mm-hmm. Pricing is something also that fascinates me and it's different for every industry. Have you ever like kind of spread your wings and asked for something that you think is It's quite a bit more than than you've asked before. Uh Because I feel like you are the type of person that would be like, all right, this person has come to me and they want me to do a gig or they want me to do a training or something like that. And you're like, well, I would normally charge, whatever, 500 bucks to do that for a day or something. Have you ever been like, I'm going to ask for Mm $1,000. You know, ask for a number that is like almost uncomfortable for you. Oh, yeah. But I think... Have you ever done that? I have like, several I'm gonna, times. I'm gonna try, <laughs> and I think we do that for a number of reasons. We do it for jobs that maybe we don't want to do. Yeah. And you're like oh, I don't really want to do this. Two grand. I'll do this for two grand. You know, right. in a in a way to price yourself out. Yeah. You know, um, because if you don't get it, you're cool. You don't yeah. want to do it anyway. Right. Right. But if you get it, it needs then to you be got worth a big paycheck, it. Right. right. Um, so I'm wondering. I think our values you know like like heather has has she's like this too my wife she she didn't raise prices for years for mm. years mm-hmm. um, and eventually they're like all right we haven't raised our prices for 6 years and yeah. they raise them and they didn't raise them that much mm-hmm. you know and so you're worried about disruption yeah. are we going to lose patience, are we yeah. going to is this going to hurt my business you know the insurance industry does it every freaking year you know we raise our rates because costs go up and that's a different mm-hmm. story but i'm wondering if over the period of time, you know, you're worth. Your time is worth more. Oh yeah. Because you're you're better at what you do. Right. You can do it. You can bring more value to teams and stuff like that. Yep. Have you? Yeah. Have you ever gotten to a point where you're like, well, let's
0: let's double prices
1: and see what happens? Yeah.
0: Yeah. On and it's still sort of like I I I still look at every bid individually, but then I try to think. Okay, I do some research about the company or the organization. And then there's been a couple times where I threw a pretty big number out there, bigger than I normally would, and they're like, "Great, yeah." Done. And then I'm like, "Crap, could I have know. asked for double that?" It's
1: like getting uh, a, it's like getting an offer on your house the day it hits the market. Yes. You're
0: like, oh. I am getting more comfortable with having pretty open conversations with them. I try to jump on a phone call to be like, "What exactly is the event?" Because there still is a big difference between like a keynote for an hour versus a three-hour improv workshop for 50 people. Sure. So when I understand what their event looks like and what the, what they're picturing, like sometimes I can even do a thing where it's like, oh, well, what did you pay your last speaker? Because I'm sure that's probably something that would be within the range that we could discuss. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of put it back on them to loosen their lips a little bit about what if they do have a budget. Yeah. Even for one where they asked me to do free recently, because they said although they front loaded it the night the right way, they're like we know you're, you're just like everywhere, and we really want your positive um, message, blah blah blah, and they're like normally like a lot of people will do this for free. We and then I went back and I said, well, I do look at things like that, but then I asked them about what about potentially an honorarium or some other thing. I was like, I gotta balance my free things because I, I do this is my business. Right. Then they ended up coming back and I didn't even have to say anything and they. Um, they voluntarily doubled what their base, what their starting point of honorarium was after we'd had the conversation. So sort of putting it back into their court, because I have that luxury a little bit with what I do, is to be like, well, tell me about what you budgeted for. Like, I've done some for big companies I want to work for, Mm -hmm. but it was for a small group uh, of just, you know, it's one of our big local companies, which I'm not sure if I should say their name, but... One of our really big yet global tech companies. I got it. They, Which I really want to have them on my... I've done stuff for this company, right? Mm-hmm. But in their, in their individual little pods that it could be 10 to 20 people because there's tons of groups all around the country. Right. Their budget for a team building event might be 500 bucks mm-hmm. because they expect them to just take them bowling. Right. So when someone comes to me and they're like, you know, I thought some of my highest paying clients would be certain way, but then I'm like, oh, well now I see... I just, it's just a learning process of really having an open conversation and being like, well, hey, here's what we need to, that's I gotta need be to come win, in win, at, at least right. this. Yeah. yeah. And I don't ever do the thing because I used to, well, I normally would do this, but because blah, 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 I don't do that anymore. Good. I refuse to.
1: Good. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, it's a, it's an interest. you get to, you're in a unique space where you can price every gig differently. Yeah. You know, and so I don't, I think that would be fun trying to figure it out. It is you know, pretty fun. I don't get to, you know, my prices are set, you know, yeah. so they are what they are. So I don't get to mess around with that. But right. I work with a lot of people that have uh, have to come up with their pricing and, and it's just something that, that I think about often. So yeah, just thought I'd pick your brain on that. I love it. Yeah. So,
0: so good. How are we doing on time? we got
1: five minutes. Oh,
0: man. What do we want to have as our grand finale here? i got, I got here?
1: another one for you. Oh, okay. So what's it like being being a woman in a field that is, you know, is it fair to say that, that comedy is is, is male-centric? Is, is it, uh, are there more men than women in comedy? Uh, I would
0: say there probably still is statistically-wise. I feel like there's been a pretty good shift lately, though, of women's really stepping up, really in all areas. This is a time mm-hmm. that's actually pretty exciting to be yeah. a woman. Um, and it's a little challenging still, like I was saying earlier, like sometimes, uh, recently I did my stand-up um, as the feature, which is the middle slot um, at at the comedy club here. And so it was a guy and then me and another guy. Both of those guys don't have kids. One, um, They're just different types of jokes. And so then me being single mom of all these babies, and I had a couple of lines about divorce and some stuff about just my own, you know, seeing things through my lens is very different than than theirs. And so I think that having that diversity is magical because then when we had the audience leave, the women were beaming just as much. Now, we as women, we laugh at a lot of the things that are pretty generic, but we've heard a lot of dick jokes that no. we can't relate to. Right. Can I say dick joke on your podcast? Go right ahead. Um, <laughs> and so some people will be like, oh, women just talking about whatever, because I have a lot of a big segment about how my body has changed from having so many babies, and yeah. how my my boobs have changed after nursing a lot of them. They're not the bouncy whatever they used to be. <laughs> and I, But I've really worked on, and then, you know, women can relate to that sure. for sure and then some people will be like oh my wife loved that so much and then he's like oh, you know some guys will catch up that you know what I thought it was funny too so really just like shifting I think that women are at a pretty good advantage right now yeah. if we can remain true to ourselves and keep our um, keep our focus on doing the greater good for ourselves and other women because there's still a lot of women who are angry
1: yeah, I was going to ask are, you. And are hurting the cause. What's the support like, you know, woman to woman? You know, that's mm-hmm. that's something that has been an issue for probably ever, you yeah. know, uh, where it's, you know, you're competing against each other for yeah. one thing or another, you right. know. Um, what is your feel for the climate out there for, you know, the women business owners supporting each other, not seeing each other's competition, Um, helping each other out, mentoring each other, you know, is that that turning a corner, do you think? I will
0: say, I think that you can, they're both present. The people who are mean and spiteful and bitter and looking at everything from the competitive edge are definitely there if you look for them. Mm -hmm. And then so are the very large doses, the collaborative women, the ones that are really trying to lift each other up. If you're watching closely you can see the difference and you just have to pick a side. Sure. So I think the other ones will always be there. It's just comes back to finding where you feel like you are being supported. And if you hear this is one of the things I teach in my improv workshops, because obviously it's like fun and wacky, but there's actually really good life principles. If you are being yeah butted, which is the opposite of yes and, if you hear mm-hmm. someone yeah. s- hear your idea and they go but, yeah, but, then you are being shut down and you're not being supported. Mm-hmm. Just that easy, you can recognize. Do you? So they're both
1: there, but do you try and ever turn those people? Gently. Do you think it's that's a movement that that will ever happen, where it's like, or do you think this is just human nature mm. and like you're gonna have? the a group and the b group and Mm -hmm. the a group are going to be the ones that are pissed off all the time and only in it for themselves and not trying to collaborate and help each other out and the Mm -hmm. b group is where you live and it's like you know you want to help people is there any come over to my group you know it's it's nicer and it's better over here and it'll serve you more and you'll be happier you know less edgy is i love to
0: extend it and it has to be in a way that they think it's their idea because yeah. no one's going to change unless they see why it's important for them to change. Yeah, and, and you can't just say, you're the one that's making everything suck. Like, you're the meanie. You're the one spewing negative things. You're the one tearing down other women. They won't hear it. Yeah. They're so in a fog. This is probably true for men, too. I obviously focus on my own. My own kind, uh, as it were. But I like to just make sure that anytime I am met with adversity, I match it with love and respect and I move away from it. Yeah. I just keep moving and I just put love on it and I keep going. Because someday I hope that they will see that. You just can't force someone. Yeah. So I don't know if that necessarily answers. I think that anything in our world, like as it's getting, there's so much... Energy of things that the divisiveness gets stronger in some ways, and people do pick sides, but people can change sides whenever they want. Yeah,
1: one when they're thing, sick
0: of hearing their own bull crap, they can come over and hang out with us.
1: I had a good conversation with friend Jacob Norby. You know mm-hmm. of him? Mm-hmm. And anyway, we've we've talked about this before, where it's like, you know what? There's there's a lot of hate in the world right now, yes. and, there, and there's a lot of divisiveness, and people are picking sides and really digging their heels in. And he and I had a good conversation, and it, we really both kind of came down to the fact that it's like, look. Let's just influence what we can in our little tiny pocket of the world. Right. You know, whether that be supporting each other's businesses like you Mm -hmm. and I are doing, taking just as good a care of our families as we can, supporting our friends and giving giving the love that we have to give to the people who are willing to receive it and take it and do good things with it. Like that is what we can control. Absolutely. That's it. Uh, Yes. You know, so there's don't hide behind your keyboard and pound out. You know, hateful responses to stupid political posts because it just dies on the vine and nothing comes from it. Right. It's ugly and it's not a place where you'll you'll ever find me. Right. You know? so. I
0: would argue though that in that same space, in that it, when you are in that positive, like trying to wish well and share things with people who are ready to receive it, it eventually it can still bleed past our core of the happy things. So I will just never um meet someone in that anger. You know what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't and in fact being in this really positive space that I've learned to kind of stay in a pretty regular pattern, I I love those people that are angry and hurting even more because they need it the most. That's and great. so I think just staying in that space for us is just keep doing what we're doing and when the hate is slung, don't even it's like you got to yeah. have your armor on and not <laughs> right. you know don't attack it back because that's not ever going right. to win, but
1: There you go. All right. right. Yeah. This, this was fun. Awesome. Well, fun. This was our first, this was my first uh, dual podcast. Same here. A
0: simultaneous podcasting situation. So
1: thank you for coming on my show. Yeah.
0: Thank you. I'll make sure to uh, cross promote the things. I think this is a perfect example. One of the things we talked about before we hit record, it was about planning and doing. And Matt and I are the types of people who like have ideas and visions of things and how do we help each other and, yeah. and and use our strengths to be good teammates in the community. And this is, I think, a really fun example of like, all right, let's set a date and yeah. let's su- do something that is fun and supports both of us and yeah. totally out of the box a there little bit go. of podcasting. And yeah, it was fun.
1: We did it. All right. Cool. Let's have a good day. All right. Thanks, Megan.
0: Thank you, Matt. Thanks for listening to the I Hardly Know Her podcast. Follow all my shenanigans at meetmeganbryant.com. And remember, we don't have to be a big deal to do big things.